Well, good morning once again. It's good to be with you. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we're here together. It's been great to worship so far this morning already. Uh, let me invite you to open up your Bible to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter two this morning. We are gonna, we're gonna read and uh, be in the passage that may be the most famous, uh, at least here in the United States, Christmas passage uh, for us. This is the this is the Linus passage that I like to call, if you remember the Charlie Brown Christmas special, this is the spotlight moment where he shares the story of Christmas, what the true meaning of Christmas really is. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter two. It's found in verses eight through 20. Let me invite you to stand and let me read this for us. We'll hear the voice of God together this morning, okay? Let's, let's turn our attention to him. Scripture says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angel went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your grace. We thank you for this very familiar text which tells us of what you accomplished in the sending of your son and the glory and the wonder of it. Lord, may we not miss that that amazing reality. And so, Lord, give us fresh faith this morning. Open our eyes and ready our hearts and help us to hear and to receive the renewal of your word. Would you, would you change us and would your spirit shape us and help us to love you more and more and to walk well with you in all things? Give us a grand vision of Christ today. We, we need him. And so we now pray and ask for your help. We love you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Have you ever watched a child open a Christmas present, that, that, that gift under the tree one morning, that Christmas morning that they really didn't expect? Maybe some of you as clever parents have, have figured out that one thing that the, your child wanted and, and it's laying in wait for them even though they haven't had the courage to ask for it, they haven't even told you much about it, but they're hoping that it's there. They long to see it. And, 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 and when that happens, and maybe you remember this in past Christmases or in, one, in, in your own life, when it happens and that gift is there that nobody expected that they didn't even expect, that top of the list, top tier list gift, when, when they open it, do you remember the reaction? Do you know what that's like just to see what comes across their face and what happens to their body and, and just 
all the emotive, visceral responses that come out. If you wanna get a good view of some of the hilarity of something like this, I would encourage you after the service uh, this morning, don't do this right now, but like after the service, especially those of you who are watching on live stream, because this will be the temptation, go Google on YouTube or go on YouTube and look, just search opening gift reactions. There are some incredibly hilarious videos of kids just, just opening up the gift and, and like the expressions are amazing. Usually their reactions come with some sort of screaming, uh, like just highest decibel they can find, kind of screaming. It's joy. There's laughing. Some of these kids start weeping and crying like they never thought they would have it any better. My favorites are the ones where the kid's just paralyzed. He's just like, he doesn't know what to, like, can this be real? Did I really get this thing? Uh, there, the reactions are just amazing. And what, what inevitably happens every time, I think every time this happens, is not only does a child emotively begin to respond and lean into what they've received, but they start telling everybody in the room what they got. I mean, it's, it's Captain Obvious right there. They've opened up the big G.I. Joe aircraft carrier that all of us from the 80s wanted, and there it is. We never got it. Thanks, Mom. Uh, we never got it. There it is. And they start telling you, it's the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. And of course, everyone in the room knows that it's there. They see it, but they start telling and expressing what's happening. They describe the gift, and it's got Ace, and, and I forget the other guys that are in there, but it's all there, the plane, and it's just so cool, and they describe it, and you see it, and you know it, but, but you hear it as well. You get it. The power of what they see and they can't believe informs and builds a response in their lives. Now, when we come to the Christmas story, and, and perhaps because Charlie Brown has told it to us year after year after year, specifically this text, but, but when we come to the Christmas story, we don't have that reaction anymore, do we? I mean, it's not really that surprising. We, we know it, we've heard it, but what if we could see the Christmas story through the eyes, again, of those who were there? Like, what if we had the, the ability to take ourselves back and to, to become eyewitnesses, to see and experience the, the reaction and the response of hearing the good news of the Savior of the world coming into the world for the very, very first time. Maybe my question would be this. Could their response be our shared response? Could the way that they inhabit the story and, and build a response from it in what they've heard and seen, could that really develop a response within us that's similar in kind. Now, we're in this series called Eyewitnesses. We've been examining the story of Jesus' coming, his, his incarnation and his birth, through the eyes of the first witnesses. A few weeks ago, we, we stepped into the story where Mary heard the announcement from the angel that she had conceived a child from the Holy Spirit, and that, that child would be the Savior. We saw the, the, the story through her eyes. Last week, we, we got to step into the eyes of Joseph, her, her husband, and and get a vantage point of how he wrestled with this seemingly irreconcilable series of events and how in his faithfulness to God, he obeyed God's word. Uh, today, we're gonna get the eyewitness account of a group of people that the society wouldn't normally ask for their account. It, it wouldn't matter in society if these people saw something or not. They were not reputable people. Histor historians would overlook these folks time and time again. And yet, Luke, the historian, doesn't overlook them. In fact, his inclusion of their eyewitness testimony is a powerful statement about who this story is actually for. 
These, the first eyewitnesses that we'll see, these first men came and saw the Christ before, before anybody else had apart from Mary and Joseph. And what they say about what they saw tells us something very, very important. It's, it's found there in Luke's gospel in chapter two, verses eight through 20. These five, first eyewitnesses, go with me to verse eight there. They're, they're the shepherds. They're, they're the, the guys out in the field. In the same region, there were the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by the night. And that's, to our ears, that's very familiar. We expect them to be there. I hope that in your nativity scene around the house somewhere, you've got the shepherds right there in, in the stall. The wise men come later, so don't have them there yet. But the shepherds should be there, right? And we know that. We're familiar with them. And it doesn't, it doesn't sound shocking at all to us. And yet, in their culture and in Luke's mind as a historian, these shepherds don't belong. These aren't the guys you ask for a credible eyewitness testimony about because nobody cares. The shepherds here, they're doing their job. They're nearby Bethlehem and they're out in the field. Uh, in some sense, they probably were living and working outdoors, maybe had a tent to set up, but they were nomads, walking around, herding around these sheep, caring for them, protecting them in the late night hours. But they're, not, they're nobodies, uneducated, insignificant, unimportant people. And it's surprising that these guys show up in the story. These shepherds were ignorable. They were lowly. They were insignificant in that culture. And yet they're the very first people that God chooses to bring his good news to. The very first ones who get the story of the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ coming into the world is the forgetful people, the forgettable people, the people that you wouldn't care Instead of proclaiming the message of the king of kings to the high and the mighty and the powerful and the royal, God shares the message of his inbreaking into history with those who would be overlooked every single time. And that tells us something important about who this message is for. You see, the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. And that's why Jesus sends the angels to come and proclaim the birth of the Messiah to shepherds. It's to tell you and I today, every one of us here in this room, that the good news of Jesus is for absolutely everybody. Anyone can get in on this. If we could imagine being there that first night, I'd ask the question, what would we see? If we could go back and kind of put ourselves as, as nobodies and yet people that God sees as important and he brings his good news to, what would we see? What would connect with our hearts? What would we understand in thinking and seeing that the good news of Jesus is for everyone? I think we'd see three things. First of all, we would see the glory of God. Just as these angels do, we would see the glory of God. Now let's, let's go there. Let's stand in that field. It's late at night. The shepherds are doing their job. They're, they're watching over their flocks. They're faithful, good shepherds, but they're humble individuals. I mean, they don't have any status, no reputation. Nobody cares about these people. And Luke tells us an angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel of the Lord shows up. During that one particular night, everything changes for these guys. At some point in the night, the sky explodes with brilliant light. Just radiant light just appears and, and just shines down on them. This angel appears. Now, this is the third time in Luke's narrative here in the 
in these first two chapters. This is the third time an angel has appeared. And this angel is carrying a message. He's got, a, he's got an announcement and a proclamation to, to make to them. Um, angel came to Mary, an angel came to Joseph, and now these shepherds here. We'll, we'll get to the message in just a minute of what the angel wants to share, but I want us to see the appearance of the angel and what, what the angel comes bearing or showing. What Luke describes for us is the angel of the Lord appearing to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Here, here's this glory of God shining down, appearing, just radiating the whole scene. It is, it is lit up with glory. And whenever we see this kind of glorious, radiant, brilliant light shining, it's a reflection and a demonstration of the presence of God. God's majestic presence is there with them. God is, is shining out his light. He is displaying his presence, his marvelous glory, his majestic beauty. It's, it's the same way in which Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord as the angels proclaimed, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah saw the glory of God. And in so Moses as well viewed the majesty and the radiant glory of God as well. And he was stunned. So these, these shepherds there at that dark night have this angel and the glory of God shining around them. God's presence is with them. His magnificence, his grandeur, greatness there in that space with them. I, Words just fail me to, to convey to you how significant and how big the glory of God is here. We, we can't wrap our minds around his radiant beauty and light unlike anything we would have ever seen before. And yet there's God, his glory with those shepherds. Those, those individuals of no glory, of no significance are met by the God of ultimate glory, complete significance. And they, their, their response there is evidence. They were filled with great fear. When individuals stand before the presence of the Lord, there is always awe. There is always rightful dread. There, there is always a humiliation of the creature and a magnification of the creator. We must be very careful to think about what it will be like for us to stand in the presence of God because not a one of us can in his full, radiant glory. He is that great and we are that small. The shepherds are right in their fear. What's happening before them? What are they seeing? What are they hearing? Now again, I'll skip the message of what the angel proclaims and just take us down to verse 13. But I want you to know that God shows up in his glory. The content of their message is that a savior is coming. It's Christ the Lord. But look with me at verse 13. As the message comes out, these shepherds and they're trembling they see even greater light and greater glory, verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Instead of just one angel now, as the shepherds hear the, the message of God, now they see this multitude of angels. The, the Greek term here is stratia. It's a military unit for a vast army. 
Not just one angel, not just 10 angels. It's a vast multitude, almost innumerable. This vast army of praise to the Lord shows up on the scene. The light just increases. The glory of God radiates to them. These angelic beings are messengers of God and they're sent to praise and worship God. And so they say and they sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. Like, can you imagine hearing this angel song? Could, could you just close your eyes for a moment and imagine the radiant light, the brilliance of the glory of God? And what are they saying? They're ascribing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The reality of the Christ coming to us and among us is a profound reality of the glory of God among us. Glory to God all the way up as high as you can in the universe. John speaks of it this way in John 1.14. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as the one of the has of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the angels could proclaim and they could shout and they could sing glory to God because Christ is the glory of God. He is the image of the glory of God. And they worship and they declare glory to God in the highest, and they also ascribe on earth peace among whom he is pleased. God's glory is seen in Christ, revealed for his people, but it's also known in his work for his people. Christ has come to bring peace. This is the work that Christ does. He comes to reconcile us to God through his work. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ has come, the angels proclaim, and he is Glorifying God. He is the glory of God. When we see Christ, we see the glory of God. And with Christ coming as well, he brings to us peace on earth. Christ is the one who reconciles us to God. Christ is the one who repairs the broken relationship our sin brought in. Christ is the one who atones for our sin and makes all things new so that we can be at rest. The concept here of peace isn't just the idea of no war. It's the idea of fullness, wholeness, shalom. Everything made new, everything refreshed, everything whole. This is what the coming of Christ brings for us. God's glory, and God's peace among his people. I love this idea of seeing the glory of God in Christ, our incarnation. The glory of God is brought to our lives and the result is the fulfillment of his promises. Peace with him. We like to use the language of, of seeing glory when we talk about seeing something that inspires us, something that impresses us. So we go to a, a U2 concert or a Beyonce concert, and we're like, that was glorious. It was incredible. So great. Or we, we watch the Olympics, and we see Simone Biles just kill it on the balance beam, and we go, that was Olympic glory. There it was. You may, you may remember, remember not too long ago, William Shatner, the actor, getting uh, kicked up to the top end of the atmosphere in a little rocket. And he, he remarked on his recent trip to the edge. And he said his flight was unlike anything they described. He said, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I just hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now. I don't wanna lose it. It's so much larger than me and life. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death. 
He's expressing just the, 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 the reality of glory to comprehend what he's seeing. Many of us wish we could be there that night. I've asked us to kind of imagine it and get our, get our mindset around being a shepherd in that field as, as the light shines, as the angel comes and announces the glory of God. What would it be like? And, and maybe we think, wow, the shepherds, they've got it so much better. I mean, they really saw it. And that just affirmed and confirmed what they were believing already. But, but the, innate, the angels weren't announcing themselves. They weren't showing up and saying, hey, glory, look at me. I'm so radiantly beautiful, wonderful. The angels were announcing Christ. They were declaring and pointing the finger to Jesus. They were, as I like to say, they were putting the spotlight on Jesus once again. That's because Christ is the glory of God. And so when we look to Jesus, we see his glory. When we get our, our hearts a view of Jesus and his glory through the scriptures, we are seeing the radiant, beautiful, majestic, powerful, awesome glory of God. Again, John 1.14, the word became flesh. Jesus, fully God, became fully man and dwelt among us. And we, in seeing Jesus, we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. Friends, when you go to the word of God and you see Christ, you're seeing the glory of God. When you go to the word of God and you see Christ, you are seeing the Son from the Father full of grace and truth. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. The Son, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now here's the point for us. When we see Jesus, the Jesus spoken of in the scriptures, when we look to him, we're seeing the glory of God. We can sing glory to God. We have a much greater view, a much greater experience than these shepherds who saw the angels. We're invited to see Christ who is both God and man. If we want to see the glory of God, we have a far greater view than the shepherds have. We need to look to Christ. He is the glory of God, and he brings peace among us in his work for us. If we were eyewitnesses, we'd see the glory of God. And so being eyewitnesses of the word, we see Christ, the glory of God, but we also see the humility of God. They not only saw glory, but they saw humility, God's humility, and what was conveyed to them. Let's go back to the message that the angel spoke in verse 10. And the angel said to them, they're afraid, they're filled with terror. The angel said to them, fear not. Like, don't be afraid. Angels are always saying that when they come with a message of good news. Settle down, your heart's at peace. God's ready to work. Fear not, behold, look. That's, that's a way of saying, see, look and behold. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now here, this, this statement is just profound and, and the way the angel says it colors the picture for us. It's a happy pronouncement, first and foremost. This news is good news. When you hear people talk about Jesus, if, if they're not bringing up the good stuff of Jesus, the reality of what Jesus has come for, uh, to do for us and for our salvation, they're, they're missing the point if they're not proclaiming good news because Christ is good news for us. He's the best news. And so, and so here to declare, this is good news of great joy. It's a happy pronouncement. 
What the angels share here in the coming of Christ is to fill our hearts and our lives with ultimate satisfaction, with the deepest of joys and fulfillment and happiness, with, with great ultimate pleasure because that's who God is. It's a happy pronouncement of great joy for all of us. And that's the second part of the colors this. It's for all the people. In coming to these shepherds and proclaiming the message of the coming Christ to them, he's saying, hey, everybody can get in on this, from the highest to the lowest, especially the low, especially the humbled, especially the forgotten. And certainly this refers to Israel when saying that this message is for all the people. It refers certainly to Israel and their hopes for a coming Messiah. But the scope is so much more than just Israel. This is for everyone. This message of Christ the Savior is for all people. Every tongue, tribe, people, nation, everybody can get in on this, even us today. God's not exclusive in, his, in keeping his glory and grace for just an elite few. He, he comes to give himself for all people. But what's the news of that? Verse 11, this, this proclamation that's such good news of great joy for every human being for unto you is born this day, verse 11, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, this is a simple yet very, very profound notice. And again, it's, it's familiar to our ears, right? We hear Linus saying this, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. But this, this proclamation, it's revolutionary. It's subversive. It's radical. I'd even say it's political. It's a declaration against the powers and kingdoms and forces of the world. We know all this because of the titles that the angels use to ascribe glory to this baby, this one born in the city of David. It's a reference to Bethlehem as a city, but a reference to the fact that this one is coming to sit on the throne of David forever and ever, to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he, and he comes as Israel's redeemer and as our redeemer to break down and to demolish the strongholds and powers of the world. He, he comes as a rescuer from, for Israel from Rome and a divine rescuer from David's lineage. The term here, savior, it was, it was used especially of God who delivers his people in the Old Testament. God is the savior. God is the rescuer. But, but Rome loved to incorporate things like this into their own realities and in their own worship. And so uh, Caesar picked up this title himself, Augustus, Caesar Augustus. He was described as both a savior who would bring an end to war and establish all things. In the angel's proclamation, they're saying Caesar isn't the one who's gonna bring peace. This child is. He's not gonna be the savior. Caesar in Rome isn't the savior to end all wars. This baby is. Furthermore, the term Lord describes Christ's role as benefactor and patron and king and ruler and authority. Again, Caesar liked to use this title Lord for himself to describe himself as the one who would, who would give and be generous and he would rule and be, be the patron of well-being in the Roman Empire. But no, Christ is the one who comes to bring peace. He is the one who is the Messiah. He is the deliverer. He is the king. And so for a Christian to proclaim Jesus as Lord was subversive. It was, it was opposite the way of the culture. One New Testament scholar says that Jesus' birth calls into question both the emperor's status as savior and the peace of Augustus that gave rise to that acclaimed status. If Jesus is this divine and glorious savior and king, what kind of coming into the world would we expect? He's coming to overthrow. He's coming to stand as the ruler and king over all things. 
Where would this announcement show up? We would expect the most highest of uh, responses. We would expect the greatest of receptions. I mean, the royal palaces and places of power and prestige and privilege would be re uh, resonating with this news. And yet, the birth announcement goes to a field in the middle of the night, and the shepherds, who have no luxury or decadence in and of themselves at all. And verse 12 tells us that story. This will be a sign for you. So the angels pronounce to these shepherds, here's the sign. This baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds are told that this glorious Savior, this Lord, this Christ and Messiah is laying in a humble, humble strips of cloth in a feed trough for animals tucked away in a nowhere town. What an amazing display of the humility of God. He comes with power. He comes to rule and to reign over all things. He comes to overthrow the powers of this world and to cast down the mighty, and yet he's born in a humble stable. The shepherds are just astonished at this. They have to go look and see, verses 15 and 16. They went, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord made known to us. And so they went with haste, and there they found, just as the angels had proclaimed, Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Notice here, there's nothing wrong with these shepherds investigating and understanding what God says. They hear the message of the angels and they're like, let's verify that that's true. And they do it. It's faith seeking understanding. And yet they go and they find, and I just, if I could like put punctuation in the Bible, I'd put a few different punctuation marks here at the end of, of verse 16. They went and found with haste Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I'd throw some question marks and some exclamation points there. Like that's confusing because this baby who's king of kings and lord of lords, he should be in a palace he shouldn't be wearing golden diapers. He should be like just in the most luxurious state ever. And he's humble. He's lowly there. Jesus' birth, we see the glory of God and his, his lowliness in coming to us in humility. God stoops, as it were, for us. In the seeing of the humility of God, we're invited to draw near to him. The shepherds are invited to go and to see, and that invitation is for us as well, to draw near to God. He is tender and gentle and lowly. The king of glory becoming a human being, a man just like us, to represent us and to stand for us, to, to show that he is for us. From the first moments of his life, he comes without fanfare. He comes without worldly praise to a common couple in a small rural, ignored community. Like what Dane Ortland says, he says, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is saying that he is accessible. For all Jesus' resplendent glory, dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. Friends, this is the good news that Jesus came for you. He was given unto us. The child is born in humble conditions, in the stable. He loves us despite the mess we're in, despite the unloveliness that you carry. He doesn't come for impressive people to impressive places with influencer status on social media. He doesn't care how many followers you have on Instagram or TikTok. 
He comes to the unlovely, the unknown, the ignored, even the despised of us. He's humble enough to come for humble and broken human beings like you and me. So we see the glory of God in the coming of Christ. And we see the humility of God in Jesus coming for us as a, as a baby. And that tells us then to see the good news of God, the good news of why he's come. Now here's where we get to the response of the shepherds, like that, like that child opening that gift that they cannot even fathom on Christmas Day. Here now is the response for us when we see the glory of God, the humility of God in the person of Christ. Well, how do we respond? What does, that, what does it say to us? And it's all telling us of the good news of God. Here's how the shepherds respond, verse 17. When they saw it, when they, when they see there's Mary and there's Joseph and there's the baby, just as the angels saw, said, they may know the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The, the shepherds become the first evangelists. They tell Mary and Joseph, we just saw angels and they were telling us this happened and it's true and they're right and this is amazing. And then just like that kid just describing the present that they're already looking at, that everyone in the room and knows is there, they're talking about it. They're sharing the good news just as the angels had as well. And, and as they shared, some responses occurred. They're proclaiming Christ is the Savior. He is the Lord. And people are responding. Verse 18, Mary responds, or everyone responds, I'm sorry. All who heard it, all who heard the message of good news wondered at what the shepherds told them. Everyone's astonished at what they heard. They're amazed. Friends, does the glory of God and the humility of God in the person of Christ strike wonder in your heart? Are you amazed by him? When you hear the good news that Christ has come, from highest of glory to you and to me? Does your, does your mouth just fall open? You go, what? For me? Is there wonder in your heart at Christmas? Christ? Not only that, Mary, verse 19, she has a response. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's pondering here. She's, she's internalizing this good news. She's hearing it and reflecting on it and meditating on it. I like the, the phrase here, she treasures it up. She just stores it up at, as it were in her heart as a resource to come back to again and again. Look what God has done. She takes to heart the message of the good news. And the shepherds, they have a response as well. They worship. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Their lives are filled with adoration, of declaration, of celebration. They, they cannot stop talking about what they've seen, not in just the angels, but in the coming of the baby, of Christ. The glory of God met with the humility of God in the person of Christ. And so I would ask you, friends, what about your response to the good news? What about your response to the coming of Christ? I think these responses help us reflect how we should respond ourselves. If you've seen what the shepherds have seen, if you've seen the glory of God in Christ and the humility of God in the incarnation and you've heard and, and you've seen, that's what they say, they've seen this. They've seen the good news of God and his love for everyone. And how are we responding? Maybe you're at a place of wonder, like everyone there. You're curious, perhaps. You have questions about what this good news means. I wanna encourage you, that's a great place to be in. I'd love to talk with you more and just to help you answer questions. I'd like to help you take those steps forward to understand what does this all mean? If you're just, you know, if this is like a big question mark to you, 
maybe just take that connect card that's in your bulletin this morning, just mark a, a spot on it or write on the back of there like, hey, I'd like to know more about following Jesus. What does this mean? If, if you're at a place of wonder, great. That faith-seeking understanding is a good place to be in. Maybe some of us are in need of being like Mary at this moment, taking some time to ponder. Like we just need to treasure up. This month is busy, right? Like it feels like 2021 has been busy. Like where did that year go? Have we, have we taken the time to just pull the e-brake as it were and just, just stop and say, God, what are you doing in your glory and your humility here to, to really receive the good news for us? Christ's coming is good news for us. We should treasure up these things in our hearts because it's for us as well. Ponder them, meditate on them. Let me, let me, let me encourage you this week to find, find an hour or so, find some time and just, just meditate on Christ coming for you, his love. Get the scriptures open and, and ponder his glory. Reflect on his humility. Stop the hustle and bustle and just, just worship, just receive and think, what is it that Christ has done for you? A great response the gospel should have for each of us is the final response, and that's of worship. Has the good news of Christ's coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, has it made you a worshiper? Are you just so filled with joy? Are you so completely overwhelmed with what God has done that you go back into your lives from here on Sunday mornings, returning, glorifying and praising God for all you've heard and seen? Is that, is that your life? Have you seen how Jesus loves you? He came not just to be a baby and to lay in a manger. He came as the Savior and the Lord. And that required that he lived the perfect sinless life that we haven't lived, that he take up the cross that we deserve and died in our place. And that he was raised to life again on the third day. He's done that to win us back to him, to proclaim good news so that everyone who believes will not perish but have life forever. Let me ask you, if you examine the reality of Christ this Christmas, has the power of what you've seen in the glory of God and in the humility of Christ really informed your response? Or are you just going through the motions one more time? Friend, let, let Christ coming into this world, his good news, be a means of worship for you. Let's look and see at what God has done in his glory, in his humility, in his broadcasting his love to us. Let's throw ourselves at his feet and worship forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, make us like these children that on hearing of your glory and seeing your grace in Christ, that we would be just utterly overwhelmed with how great you are. Help us, fill us with worship to you. May we treasure up in our hearts the goodness of what you have proclaimed for us. Even let us stand in wonder at your grace. Thank you for sending your son Christ, who's our Savior and our Lord. May all we have be yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.